This is The Bible in Depth with PJ. Join us as we take a deeper look into scriptures and study the Word of God together. Now here is Pastor Jim. Hello, everybody. And we're back with our uh, Wednesday Bible study. And some of you are watching this live on Facebook right now. And obviously, you can watch it later on Facebook. It also is going live on YouTube right now. I think more of you are watching on YouTube. And of course, you can download it as a podcast. We're currently in Colossians. And um, the section of Scripture we're going to go through, let me lead off with this this idea. One of the most satisfying things that... um, I get to do as a pastor is I get to bring people into a reconciled relationship with God. That's a, it's a great thing. It's just the greatest feeling in the world. But one of the second great satisfactions of what I get to do is I get to talk at times with married couples that maybe aren't getting along too well, sometimes want to go their separate ways. And I get to bring in reconciliation and try to bring peace between the two parties and sometimes <clears throat> you know it, it works because they'll follow the instructions of God's Word and there's a few times it doesn't but I just really enjoy that reconciliation aspect Paul's gonna bring that up today he's gonna talk about the reconciliation that Jesus brings to us and we're gonna get there in a bit but let me begin <clears throat> with this statement as we start in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19 The first thing I want to say is divinity wasn't added to Jesus, meaning God, deity. Divinity wasn't added to Jesus. It was always part of him. Now, verse 19 of Colossians 1 says this. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. Now, when it talks about the fullness to dwell in him, fullness is a great word that Paul uses. It means the totality of all divine power and attributes. And the word dwell just simply means, you know, to to be at home permanently. Now think of what the words Paul uses, because it's very expressive. He is saying in Jesus, dwell permanently all the divine, all God power and attributes of God. What's he telling us? He's saying, and he says it repeatedly in Colossians, that Jesus is fully God. Now, he's not saying that Jesus became fully God. He's saying Jesus always was God. Now, here's my question, because whenever you write something, Paul's writing for instruction, why is he emphasizing this truth repeatedly in the letter to the Colossian believers? Well, let me explain why. One of my jobs, and it is my always my purpose, intention, vision, whatever you want to call it, for even, especially for like a Wednesday night or Wednesday study like this, is to bring the full counsel of God. Now, my heart wishes that everyone would want to get the full counsel of God, grow in the Word of God, read the Word of God daily. That, that's, just, that's just my hope. And hopefully, I'm making these things come alive that entices people to say, I, I want to read that more. Within my job of bringing the full counsel of God, I'm to bring the truth of God's Word to a culture that, as I'm observing anyway, uh, is moving away and has moved away from the truth of God's Word. I'm I'm observing this as as my life progresses. And so many times I feel, I honestly feel like God is having me take these things and 
put it up against the cultural thinking of the day. It feels like I'm doing that more and more and more. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to create Bible thinking followers of Christ and thus eliminate the lies of the culture from invading the church. That's what Paul's doing. He's exactly doing that when he talks about the fullness of deity dwelt in him, that Jesus fully God, but it dwelt in him, in him meaning he had a physical body. And you see that as we read a few verses later that Jesus has a physical body and Paul mentions that. Now, why is Paul saying that? And what is he combating that is trying to invade the church? <clears throat> well, we talked about the Gnostics, not agnostics, but Gnostic false teachers that have invaded. They've come into the local body there in Colossae and they've got this secret knowledge, supposedly, which they really don't. But one of their secret knowledge things that they try to bring in to the local church was this, and it's a lie, that Jesus didn't have a physical body. Can you believe that? They were teaching these Colossian believers that, no, he didn't have a physical body. Jesus was a ghost. He was a phantom. And they would add, the reason why he doesn't have a physical body is because these Gnostics believe that all everything physical, a physical body was matter, and that matter was evil. And that's how they push this forward. So Paul comes along and he teaches them, no, 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 no. Jesus is fully God and he's fully human. Now let me show you another place in scripture in 1 John chapter 4 that uh, backs this up <clears throat> uh, very clearly. In 1 John uh, chapter 4 and verse 1 to 3, it says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Did you catch that? Come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming, and now it is already in the world. Now think of what John, the writer, says also, because he seems to be combating the same thing. He's saying, look, if somebody says Jesus didn't come in the flesh, that's the spirit of the Antichrist. That's a lie. Paul comes in, and he's combating that lie also. And all you have to do is go back into the Gospels, and very interesting thing. In Luke 24, after the resurrection, <clears throat> Thomas wasn't there at the first appearance of Jesus to the disciple, the resurrected Jesus. So Jesus appears in the room, and Thomas has been, you know, doubting the whole time, and he says, unless I see him and touch him, I, I can't believe. And so Jesus appears in the room, and, and Jesus basically says, Thomas, touch me and see I'm real, because a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I do. And there's another case right there where you see Jesus was fully God, and yet a fully in a human body combating the Gnostic reports or the Gnostic false teaching that Paul's going against. Now, let's move on in Colossians. The second thing I want to say is reconciliation with God is different than reconciliation with others. Now, let's look at verse 20 of chapter 1. And through him, him is Jesus, <clears throat> to reconcile all things um, to himself, having made peace through the blood of the cross, through him. I say whether things on earth or things 
in heaven. Now we find reconciliation enters into play. And it's reconciliation through Jesus' blood that he shed. And he began to shed his blood in the Garden of Gethsemane when he sweat great drops of blood. He continued to shed his blood when they beat him and when they scourged him. And he walked the Via Dolorosa. And he continued to shed his blood as he's nailed to a cross and he eventually dies. But the reconciliation key factor is the blood of Jesus. Now, this is crucial, crucial. Now, you, you all know out there <clears throat> that my wife was sick with COVID and, and she was in the hospital for 11 days. And it was, it was, it was difficult. And um, keep praying for her because she's not all the way back. There's still a few lingering long-term effects. But I shared with you that I had to start doing all the housework. Yeah. And so uh, I had to learn to do things. And I had to learn to wash the clothes. Yeah, I had to learn to wash the clothes. <laughs> and I told you before, I, I found out there's a difference between whites and brights. I didn't know that. You know, you learn these new deep theological things every day. Now, <clears throat> the reason we wash clothes is to get the grime and the dirt out. When I washed the whites, Olivia had showed me that I had to put bleach in there in a certain little opening in the washer itself. And that amount of bleach, as you wash the whites, it caused the whites to come out really, really bright and white. It looked, looked, looked like new. Well, let me tell you something. <clears throat> the blood of Jesus is like that bleach. It's the cleaner that washes away all of the dirt, all the grime, all the filth, all the stains of our sins and leaves us bright before God. You see, here's the deal. Here's why this is important in reconciliation. None of us, and I mean none of us, can come into personal relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ unless we come cleansed. Unless we come cleansed. And that's what the blood did. Do you remember my favorite story is the prodigal son? But do you remember when he comes home and he repents because he says, Father, I've sinned against heaven in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And um, as he gets there, the father runs out, hugs him, kisses him, everything. And the boy repents. That's key. The father puts, the first thing that the father throws on him is a robe. Now you need to understand a few things about the robe. And the first thing is that's dad's robe. It's called the best robe. That robe also went full length. It wasn't partial. Now think about that. <clears throat> the boy has come home. He has gotten out of a pig pen, gone to sleep, thinking about coming home. Comes home. He stinks. He's dirty. He's bankrupt. And the father sees him, hugs him, and puts a robe over him. We liken that to what's called the robe of righteousness. That when people now saw that boy, they didn't see all the dirt on him. They saw dad's robe on him. Covered up everything, all the grime and all the stains and the dirt. Let me tell you something about your life, follower of Christ. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, reconciliation came into play because of the blood of Jesus, and you are now clothed with the robe of righteousness. All the stains, all the stains are cleansed away. All of them are gone. And now you're viewed through the robe of righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Never forget that. The second thing I want to say about that verse is this. Reconciliation with God is on God's terms. Now, let's go back to marriage counseling. In marriage counseling, what a typical marriage counselor, what I find myself trying to do in when couples are having problems, 
I try to find a, a place in the middle where they can meet and they can compromise with each other and everyone's happy and they have peace. Because the goal is peace. W would you agree? Reconciliation with God is not like that. Never think it's like that. We do not meet God in the middle. No, no, no. Reconciliation with God means that we accept God's terms as the only terms. It's not a compromise. Do we accept that Jesus is God in the flesh, the only God? We accept His atoning sacrifice on the cross. We accept the blood of Jesus forgiving us of sins. And we accept the reality and the fact that we give our life to the Lordship and the leadership of Jesus Christ and what hits, it says in His Word. In other words, <clears throat> this, oh, you know, I feel or I think. Well, if what you feel and think is contrary to God's Word, it's irrelevant. We move from that to, what does God's Word say for me to do in this situation? It's the, how then shall I live? Now, let me tell you something about that, because that can be scary for some people. I'm going to give up my whole life. I'm going to give up the leadership of my life to the Word of God and to Jesus Christ. Absolutely. But let me tell you why I can accept that and why you can accept that. <clears throat> because there's a big reality that we find of God in God's Word, and that is this. God loves me. You know, Jeremiah said he loves us with an eternal, everlasting love. It doesn't end. You know, Jesus said in John 13 that he loves us to the end. It never ends. He just loves us. Now think about that. When, and God's love is a perfect love. When you love somebody, you always want the best for them, right? And so I can rest assured that God always wants the best for me. His word may be contrary to what I want to do, but I know it's what's best for me and God loves me. You see, <clears throat> if I don't get this and I don't really understand that God loves me, then here's what's going to happen when I eliminate the God loves me part. All I'm going to do is look at this Bible and see a bunch of rules and regulations. And I'll reduce God to a bunch of rules and regulations that I'm just checking off on my checklist of things I'm doing now. And there's no personal relationship. And there's too many Christians that I think either slide into that or start off their faith viewing God in that incorrect way. Because after a while, if you view God as just a bunch of rules that you're checking up on checklists, I got to obey this, he's just this rule and that rule, it's going to get old. And you're probably going to start to drift away from God because there's nothing personal. You cannot have a relationship with a bunch of rules. You have relationships with a person, and Jesus is a person, God in the flesh. God loves me. I can accept his reconciliation requirements. Now, the third thing I want to say today is this. God's reconciliation has benefits. <clears throat> now, I'm going to read verses 21 to 23 of Colossians 1. Now, watch this. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile, in mind, engaged in evil deeds. Remember that? Remember when you and our minds were hostile towards God, we were depraved, where our mind instantly bent toward the wrong things. Remember that? And then the moment you receive Christ, put your faith in Him, remember how your attitude changed? Wasn't it amazing how in a moment of time that happened? And that's because the Spirit of God came into you. And you're no longer hostile towards God. <laughs> that's great, isn't it? Now, verse 22. <clears throat> Yet He 
has now reconciled you, you and me, in his fleshly body. There inserts body again to push back the Gnostic teaching, false teaching, through death in order to present you and me before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Three big terms there. We'll get to them in a second. If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Uh, now, I want to break down those terms there because he says, because we have placed our faith in Jesus and we're followers of Christ. And I want you to get away from I'm a believer and start moving toward follower of Christ because remember, that denotes action. That denotes what Jesus says I do. A believer, that's just belief in your head. You can sit there and check, listen, oh, I went to church this week, so now I'm good now. now that, that's not Christianity. That never has been Christianity. You're a follower. Now, the three things he says were presented is, the first one he says is, we're holy. Literally, that word means morally pure, a most holy thing. Did you know that about yourself? That the moment you let the blood of Jesus wash away all your sins, that you are now morally pure. But Jim, I've committed so many sins. Yeah, I get it. So, so have I. A couple weeks ago, I told you in my lifetime, I calculated I've committed over 92,000 sins, probably in my life. But I'm morally pure because of the blood of Jesus. I'm a most holy thing, and so are you. Never forget that. Then he says we're blameless. <clears throat> well, blameless means a sacrifice without blemish. It means faultless. It means God doesn't find fault with you. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that awesome? Isn't that spectacular? Now, that doesn't eliminate the fact that if you've um, done something to somebody else, you need to go make that right. Ask forgiveness. You owe them money. Go pay them. Whatever it is, go get it right. But before God, you're faultless. Wow. So first, I'm morally pure. I'm a most holy thing. And then I'm faultless. There's, there's no evidence of me ever committing a sin because of the blood of Jesus. And then he says, I'm beyond reproach. And so are you. It literally means unaccused. God doesn't accuse you. God doesn't condemn you. How could he? He views you through the blood of his son. There are, There is nothing to accuse you of. Isn't that, isn't that great? See, these are the benefits of reconciliation with Jesus Christ. I'm sinless. But, but here's some questions I want to leave you with today. <clears throat> Holy, blameless, beyond reproach. What if, what if we really believed that? Would it change the way we viewed ourselves? If you believed in the blood of Jesus, you are holy, blameless, would it change the way you talk to yourself about yourself? Another question. If you believed it, how would it lessen and thus eradicate any and all guilt and shame that we, you and I feel at times? You know how many, you know that most people who are in counseling, long-term counseling, it's because of deep-rooted guilt issues? And here you have the blood of Jesus 
can wash away all the guilt and all the shame. Isn't that fantastic? Think how much money that could save you. The biggest question of all is this, and please think this through. If you really believed that that's the way we're presented to God now because the blood of Jesus and the reconciliation through Jesus Christ, how would it affect your closeness to God the Father through Jesus Christ? You'd never feel like God didn't want you or didn't love you. You would always rush to God. You'd always rush to your Heavenly Father. There would never be any distance because you know there's nothing separating you because you've been declared righteous and sinless. You've been presented that way because you've been reconciled. Well, I'm going to pause there. I hope you meditate on these things and think them through because it will change the way you walk around in your mind through this world and your faith will become more real than ever. Well, hey, God bless you guys and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions or need prayer, please send us an email to hello at nbcc.com. We'd love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and take a second to rate it. Until then, we'll see you next time.